Some things are only skin deep, aren't they? For example, I'm sure you've heard the saying that beauty is only skin deep. That's really a way of saying that what's on the outside of someone, the way someone looks, isn't the most important thing. And in fact, someone who's consumed by their outward appearance, well, uh, they're consumed by trivial things. Because in the end, what's on the outside, it's really just cosmetic. Some things like beauty are only skin deep. Now, I mentioned that this morning because in today's passage, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is not at all like that. The kingdom of God is not only skin deep. The kingdom of God is not just about what's on the outside, which is a really important reminder because last week, remember, we looked on as Jesus drove a demon out of a man so as to show that he's here to take on Satan, so as to show that he's here to overthrow Satan, to bring in God's kingdom. And the big question for us last week was, which kingdom are you going to be in? Today's passage is a reminder for us that you don't get into the kingdom of God by doing good things. You don't get into God's kingdom by looking good on the outside and by putting on a good performance for everyone else. Which, as it turns out, is exactly the point Jesus makes over a meal at a Pharisee's house. So let's pick it up from Luke chapter 11 and verse 37. When Jesus had finished speaking... A Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. So this Pharisee was part of the crowd who was there last week, looking on as Jesus drove the demon out. And you can almost picture this guy as Jesus is there explaining what it all meant. You can almost kind of picture him elbowing his way to the front of the crowd so that as soon as Jesus finishes speaking, he can rush forward and invite him home for lunch. That's what he does. Now remember, the Pharisees, they were Jews, And in particular, they were kind of the religious leaders of Jesus' day and they were especially known for really strictly obeying God's laws. They were known for doing all the right things. And so at this point in the story, you could almost be thinking, well, this guy's clearly got it right. He's a Jew after all. He's a Pharisee. He's one of the religious leaders. He does all the right things. He tries really hard to obey God's laws. And now he's even invited Jesus home for lunch. Surely if anyone is, this guy will be in the kingdom of God. Remember though, the kingdom of God's not only skin deep. And actually some people who look like they should be in the kingdom, turns out they won't be. I wonder if this Pharisee will fit into that category. Let's keep reading, verse 38. But the Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not first wash before the meal was surprised. So Jesus turns up at the guy's house for a meal, walks in, plonks himself down at the table and almost immediately things start to get a bit awkward because did you see the Pharisee was surprised that Jesus didn't wash his hands first. Now what's that about? Well the Pharisees had this ritual of washing their hands before a meal which interestingly wasn't a law from the Old Testament, it was a rule that was added later on but it was a rule that was really important for the Pharisees. It was important because it was about being ritually clean. See, it wasn't about hygiene, like how we might wash our hands before dinner after we've been playing with the dog. For the Pharisees, washing themselves really carefully, it was about, it was about being ritually clean. They did that because they thought that by doing that, they could make themselves 
clean in God's eyes. And this Pharisee is surprised. He can't believe it that Jesus doesn't wash his hands first before the meal. Now, either he had a terrible poker face and his shock was obvious, or else Jesus knew his thoughts like he knew the thoughts of the crowd last week. Either way, though, things are about to get a whole lot more awkward because Jesus goes on to say to the guy, you Pharisees don't get it at all. You make yourself look clean on the outside, but inside you're filthy. Have a look at verse 39. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. See, the Pharisee was worried about Jesus not washing his hands, but essentially what Jesus says to him is, Don't worry about washing your hands, worry about washing your hearts. You guys are so worried about stuff on the outside. You're so concerned with washing your hands and your feet and your cups and your bowls that you forget or maybe ignore the filth on the inside. You make yourselves look good to everyone around you, but inside you're full of greed and selfishness and wickedness and evil and washing your hands to try and deal with the filth in your heart, washing your hands to try and make yourself acceptable to God, washing your hands to try and get into God's kingdom, that's like, that's like getting your brekkie bowl after you've just finished your wheat bix And you take it to the sink and you get the cloth and you carefully wipe around the outside like Al. You wipe around the outside till it's spotless. You turn it over and put it on the drying up rack and you stand back and you admire how clean it is. All the while on the inside, the wheat bix is drying out and going hard and sticking on. It's dumb, right? It's dumb and it doesn't work. Because God didn't just make the outside, he made the inside as well. Have a look at verse 40. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? You see what Jesus is saying to the Pharisee? You think you can make yourself acceptable to God just by washing your hands? Well, God does care about what you do with your hands, but he cares even more about what's going on in your heart. Because the kingdom of God is not just skin deep. It's not just about what's happening on the outside. God sees right through that. He sees to the inside of the bowl, so to speak. You can't divide your life into outer and inner parts. You can't say, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to look good in public when everyone's watching, but I'm not going to obey him in my private life. That's hypocrisy. And it's foolish. And Jesus condemns it because God made the outside and he made the inside. And so in God's kingdom, it's not just doing good things on the outside that matters. It's what's on the inside that matters as well. God wants the whole thing, the whole person to be clean, out and in. That's what he goes on to say in verse 41. He says, you look really good on the outside, but inside you're filthy. If only that filth on the inside was replaced with generosity and kindness and love, then you'd be clean on the outside and the inside. Have a look at verse 41. But give what is inside to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Now that's a bit of a weird verse. But when you compare it with verse 39, I think Jesus is saying, you Pharisees clean yourself on the outside but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. If only you'd clean what's on the inside. If only you'd replace that greed and wickedness with generosity and kindness. 
If only you'd replace that greed and wickedness with love for God and love for your neighbours. If only you'd do that, then you'd be thoroughly clean. Everything will be clean for you, he says. You'll be clean inside and out. Now you're starting to get a feel for this. It's kind of all this outside, inside stuff. Some things are only skin deep, but not the kingdom of God. God made the outside and he made the inside. And so that means that God sees what you're like on the outside, but he also sees what you're like on the inside. So I wonder... If you got a kind of report card from God and it said what you were like on the outside, but it also said what you were like on the inside, how do you reckon you'd go? Because in the next few verses, Jesus goes on to give a kind of report card of the Pharisees. He describes what they're like on the outside, but he also assesses what they're like on the inside. And he does that so as to reinforce the point that you do not get into the kingdom of God by doing Good things. So here's the report card. Let's see how they go. Verse 42. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Now, Jesus' tone there, it's clearly a rebuke, right? But on the outside, these guys are going to get a tick because they look like they're doing all the right things, right? They're obeying God's law, even to the point of giving a tenth of their mint and rue and all their other herbs from their garden. On the outside, these guys look great. They look like they're doing all the right things. But on the inside, Jesus gives them a big cross because even though they look great on the outside, they're inside they're neglecting justice and the love of God. They look like they're diligently obeying the law, but they've missed the whole point. They're strictly obeying some of the minor points of the law, but they're forgetting that what God really wants from his people is for them to love God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength, and he wants them to love their neighbours. So big tick on the outside, but cross on the inside. Let's see how they go in the next couple of verses. Verse 43. Woe to you Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Again, that's a rebuke. But again, on the outside, these guys are going to get a a tick because they look impressive, right? To everyone else, they would have looked great. These guys are the religious leaders. They sit in the most important seats in the synagogue. They get the best places. These are the ones everyone wants to meet down the street. They They want to be with them. People want to be seen with these guys because they outwardly they do. They look really impressive. But inside, they're proud. See, they... Encourage people to love them rather than to love God. And so on the inside, Jesus gives them a cross as well. He says on the outside they look impressive, but on the inside they're full of death. And even more than that, anyone who associates with them becomes unclean as well. That's what he's saying in verse 44. Woe to you because you are like unmarked graves, which men walk over without knowing it. These people are meant to be the religious leaders of God's people. They were meant to lead God's people to his kingdom, but they've actually become death traps. And anyone who associates with them becomes unclean. They lead people away from God's kingdom. So tick on the outside, but big cross on the inside. Now it turns out there was a lawyer 
or an expert in the law at this same dinner party. And when he says what uh, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, he pipes up in verse 45 and says, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Big mistake. Because basically Jesus says, yeah, I haven't finished yet, and you guys are no better. Verse 46. And you, experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Now I'm going to say these guys get a tick on the outside as well. Here's why. Because they were zealous for God's law, right? There's no question about that. These teachers of the law, these experts in the law, they were absolutely committed to the law. They weren't looking for shortcuts. They weren't trying to find loopholes. They weren't on the hunt for tax breaks. These experts in the law, they wanted to obey the law to the letter. And they wanted everyone else to obey the law to the letter. On the outside, they looked really good. They looked righteous even. But on the inside, it's another cross. Because their hearts weren't right. They just bogged people down in the minute details of the law, even making up some extra rules of their own just for fun. And they didn't lift a finger to help anyone to obey them. Instead of using the law to point people to God, they just bogged people down. On the inside, these guys get across because they're marked by legalism, not by love. Now, there's an obvious pattern developing here, isn't there? wonder if it's going to be the same in the next few verses. Let's have a look. Verse 47, Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your forefathers did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Seems as though some of the experts in the law were building tombs or monuments to honour some of the prophets. And so again, on the outside, that's going to be a tick, because that would have looked pretty good to everyone around them. They're building these monuments so as to honour, so as to remember God's prophets, which sounds like a great thing to do, right? Except that Jesus says when they do that, they're actually approving of what their forefathers did and what their forefathers did was they killed the prophets. Now, admittedly, it sounds a little strange because building a tomb doesn't necessarily mean you're endorsing their murder. But Jesus' point is this. You say you honour the prophets, you build tombs and monuments for them, yet you reject those who inherited their message, i.e. me. And so you're no better than your forefathers. They didn't listen to the prophets when they tried to point them back to God. Instead, they killed them. Well, I'm here, I'm trying to point you to God, I'm trying to point you to his kingdom, and you're not listening to me, you're rejecting me. You're no different to them. And interestingly, down in verses 53 and 54, they do. They start to oppose Jesus fiercely. And eventually they will kill him by the end of Luke's gospel. So tick on the outside, but again, big, big cross on the inside. Now what's the point of all this? Well, the punchline really comes in verse 52. Because essentially Jesus says these Pharisees and experts in the law who look really good who look righteous even, they're not in the kingdom of God because you don't get into God's kingdom by doing good things. Verse 52. Woe to you experts in the law because you have taken away the key to knowledge. 
You yourselves have not entered, and you've hindered those who were entering. Remember from last week, Jesus is here to confront Satan. He's here to defeat him. He's here to bring in God's kingdom, and it is really, really important to be in the kingdom of God. We thought about that last week. The kingdom of God is something you want to be on the right side of. These guys aren't. Because even though they are super, super impressive on the outside, they're filthy on the inside. They're full of wickedness and greed, and their hearts are far from God. The kingdom of God is not only skin deep. You do get that, don't you? You do realise that you will not get into God's kingdom by doing good things, don't you? Because there's lots of good things you can do, like coming along here to church, that's a good thing to do. But that doesn't impress God. God's not going to let you into his kingdom because you're part of the same church that your grandparents were part of or because you're a fourth-generation Presbyterian. He's not going to let you into his kingdom because you're a communicant member. The kingdom of God is nowhere near that superficial. But hey, what about getting married in a church? That looks good, doesn't it, getting married in a church? doesn't impress God, right? God looks straight through that. What about being baptised? What about getting your kids baptised? No, doesn't earn any brownie points with God either. What about sending your kids to the Christian school? What about being in a growth group? Hey, what about leading a growth group? Look, good things to do, sure. People might even look up to you. People might be impressed. But none of that gets you into the kingdom of God. What about giving money to the church? Or giving money to missionaries? Or what about giving money to the Smith family or the Salvos or the Red Shield Appeal or the the Rural Fire Service when they ring up? Seriously? Like you don't honestly think you can buy your way into the kingdom of heaven, do you? Please tell me you are not going to rock up to heaven and say, it's okay, my kids were baptised and they went to their Christian school, it's all right. Tell me you are not going to rock up to heaven and say, I got married in a church. Please tell me you are not going to rock up to heaven and say, it's okay, I've read the whole Bible cover to cover. Because God looks straight through all that stuff and he sees your heart. And if you think God is impressed by any of that stuff, if you think God is impressed by anything you have done, then you have not heard anything Jesus has been saying this morning. The kingdom of God is not only skin deep. It's not about doing good things. Because remember verse 52? The Pharisees and the experts in the law, they're not in the kingdom of God. And I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care what you think you've done. They were better. They were more righteous. They were more impressive. They did more good things. They worked harder at obeying God's law than you. But the kingdom of God's not about any of that. It's not about what you do. Being part of the kingdom of God, it's about receiving what Jesus has already done for you. Later in Luke's gospel, Jesus is going to go on to say a whole lot about how to get into God's kingdom. And basically he's going to say, the way you get into God's kingdom is to stop trying to get there yourself. Instead, humble yourself. 
and accept the help and the salvation that Jesus offers. So, for example, in chapter 19, Jesus is going to bump into a guy called Zacchaeus and he's going to say to him, I have come to seek and to save what was lost. Another time, some children will gather around Jesus and Jesus will say, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. He'll tell a parable, a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee will thank God for how good he is and he'll thank God that he's not like the tax collector. Remember what the tax collector does? He beats his breast and he says to God, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And do you know who goes home right with God? It's the tax collector, the one who asks for mercy. You see, friends, Jesus hasn't come to help those who can help themselves. He's come to seek and to save the lost. He's God with us, remember? He came to our planet to seek for lost people like us. And he went to the cross so as to die for our sins, so as to save us from condemnation. And anyone who doesn't accept his help, humbly, like a little child, will never enter the kingdom of God. Friends, we've got nothing to boast in. We ought to be like that tax collector who beats his breast and who asks God for mercy. And so, friends, if there's one thing you need to do this morning, I reckon it's this. Get rid of any last hope that you have that you can get yourself into the kingdom of God because you can't. Instead, thank God for Jesus and trust Jesus and plead with him to get you into the kingdom of God because he can. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for your word to us this morning. And Father, we want to say that we're sorry for the times when we act like we can impress you and when we act like the things that we do somehow earn us, make us deserve to be with you in your kingdom. We're sorry for that. And thanks for the reminder this morning that we don't get into your kingdom by doing good things. We need Jesus because... It's only because of what he's done that we can be in your kingdom. And so please help us to trust him, to trust that his death has taken away our sin, to trust that that through him we can be in your kingdom. We pray these things in his name. Amen.